Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, and Janet Hurley. And today we have a guest host with us. Her name is Dr. Sonia Swagger, and she is going to be helping us with talking about mosquitoes. Hi, Sonia. Hello. Sonia is an associate professor and extension specialist with AgriLife Extension, and she heads up the medical, veterinary, and livestock entomology program. So she is well suited to help us with all things mosquito, probably much to her dismay, because I'm sure that you are being inundated with phone calls right now. It is a little busy, yes. So Sonia, it is mosquitoes time. I mean, we've had so much rain in the North Texas area. Are there specific mosquitoes we should be worried about right now? I know I've swatted some, but what do I look for? Right now, what we're seeing is a lot of floodwater species. When we're seeing standing water in pastures and in yards and in ditches, that's going to cause those to grow. But we're also going to see container species out at this time as well. So we have the ones that we kind of see on a, a daily basis, but then we also have those floodwater mosquitoes. Usually, I know when I'm talking to people about mosquitoes, they often will say something about the giant mosquitoes or they hurt more when they bite. And usually they're referring to the floodwater mosquitoes. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, actually, the floodwater species tend to be larger in size anyways. When we do hear people complaining about being attacked by these really huge mosquitoes, those are floodwater species. And while they do occur all the time in various places in the state, when we get these large rain events like we've all been kind of dealing with, that's when we'll see a lot more of those flying around. I know that the water is flooding, but what is the difference other than species? What is the difference in the biology between the floodwater mosquitoes and the mosquitoes that we're used to seeing kind of all the time? Well, the main difference is the egg location. So a floodwater species, they lay their eggs in soils and those are soils all over the place. And usually, uh, you know, if it's going to be soils, it's going to be grass spaces and those don't always get wet. So that's the biggest difference there. And that's why when we get rain, in various locations, we'll see them. It's not that they've just emerged out of nowhere. It's just that their eggs were sitting there waiting for the rain to return. And our other species have their eggs in other locations. They still need the water. So when when it rains and those areas flood, they have that water and that kind of signals to the eggs that it's time to hatch. Correct. I mean, and you know, and the water has to kind of stay there for a little while. So they say it takes about three to four days of standing water. Now, flood water species are designed to expect the water to leave faster. So they grow super quick. So some of of them can grow within five to six days like egg to an adult but there has to be some water that's made like a puddle got to be stay, staying around not just wet grass but actual standing water to it kind of ignite them and give them a place for the larva to grow that is crazy fast yes, yes it is. so how long do those eggs remain viable yes <laughs> you know that's a great question are they indefinite do they just stay there forever until they get wet I don't think so, but the literature shows it's like two to five years for a lot of those species. Um, Now they don't always have to wait that long, but they can potentially wait that long. And I remember a couple of years back after our huge drought we had in 2011, we had huge rains after and we had floodwater species. And you would think, where'd all these mosquitoes come from? But the eggs were just kind of hanging out, waiting for the rains to come back. That's crazy. It is crazy. (laughs) So this is why everyone feels like they are going to be carried away by mosquitoes the past few weeks. Yes, exactly. 
I'm thinking that because I have an area in my own backyard that collects rainwater and it is dirty. And you think of everything that you do around your yard to eliminate standing water. And yet I have one area that doesn't matter what I do. (laughs) Or is there? Is there a certain spot that's just more prone? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I mean, it always floods. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's always growing mosquitoes, though, either, because you can have flooded areas or places where there's water staining and no mosquitoes there. It really just kind of depends if the mosquito, when you're talking floodwater species, if they came through and laid their eggs, but they have some specific locations they prefer. So we group in our salt marsh mosquitoes into that. So they're obviously on the coast. And then when you start to come inland, certain species prefer more wooded areas, some prefer the ditches, but it's just if that's a place that continually floods, you may have a mosquito that likes it and lays their eggs there after each year and every year they're going to come back. I was just thinking because we've talked about these mosquitoes and how I reduce them around my home. So what are you doing to reduce them around your home, Janet? With everything at my house, because I do kind of practice what I preach with integrated pest management, I mean, I'm working on my vegetation, making sure I don't have the standing water, but I also use other mosquito devices. So they're those traps that got the larvicide and the bacteria. Yes. The care. Yeah, yes. the care. I do that. I've got mosquito fish in my pond and then I use repellent. Well, you said that you're doing stuff with vegetation. What are you doing with your vegetation? What would what should people do? Because that's a question that I get a lot. There, People are always just like, I don't have any standing water in my backyard. Why do I have so many mosquitoes in my particular backyard? And usually it comes down to vegetation. So what are you doing? What I ended up having to do was rethink. So yes, knowing I have a pond and knowing that, you know, I'm always going to have problems. I went from having that ornamental grasses, especially the Mondo grass or the monkey grass, to using something more of a vine so that I can manage the vines. And what I mean by that is, yes, I'll keep it down. I'll keep it trimmed up because I don't want to have harborage for anything. And I know that sounds crazy, but I love my plants and I love my yard, but I also don't want to be taken away by anything skeeter wise. So I'm always trying to keep some of that leaf litter and the places where I guess the term I think I'm thinking of is stinky stuff where they can breed. Is that the right term? Well, yeah, because you need moisture or water and you need organic matter because that's what the larvae are going to be feeding on. Yeah. For instance, I love my bird baths, but I clean those out regularly. And regularly means how often? I get that question a lot. At least once a week. If the birds don't go near it, (laughs) I tell everybody, that's a pretty good indication they don't even want to drink out of it. So you go out there and yeah, you might add water, but if the bottom has still got that sediment on it, I toss it, let it air dry, clean it out, start over, make sure there's no, no standing water in the pots. My problem is, and I'm sure everybody else on this podcast will agree, is I can do everything in my yard. My hardest problem is how do I get my neighbor's yard? Yes. And not just your neighbors. So Robert, what do you think about that? I mean, do you have issues with that too, where you're dealing with people saying, well, I'm managing the mosquitoes in my yard. Why do I still have them? And they don't understand that they're trying to control the adults that can fly. And that means that control needs to expand. Yeah. You know, this is one of those issues you run into with, with homeowners that don't have 
much experience with insects or entomology or they, you know, move here from somewhere. They don't have bad mosquito issues, but it doesn't take much for them to get it, right? You say, listen, you know, this is an insect that flies in some, some species fairly long distances. Personally, in my yard, we have very good drainage. We've got a series of uh, French drains that catch all the water in our yard. And so we actually do have a pretty dry space in our yard. We don't irrigate very often. So, so our yard is is very dry. It's inhospitable to most mosquitoes. However, we were on our porch on Saturday night this past weekend and we're just inundated with floodwater mosquitoes. So clearly these guys were coming from elsewhere. That's a battle, but I think it's something that most folks can wrap their heads around when you tell them, look, these things don't just fly 40 feet, you know, in their lifetime, they'll fly fairly long distances. Sonia, do you know how far mosquitoes are capable of flying off the top of your head? It does depend on which one. So our floodwater species generally will go five to 10 miles, but the ones we find in rural communities, those aren't going to fly as far. So those are like our 80s species that we're worried about in our Culex quinquefasciatus, which carries West Nile, and they only go about 300 yards to half a mile. So that's a lot shorter distance, but right now with all the flood areas, those mosquitoes have the ability to fly really far. And then salt marsh mosquitoes actually can go even further, but unless you're on the coast, you don't deal with those. It's probably good to I mentioned too, this is good for like neighbor relations. So the mosquitoes in your yard, pull out a map and draw a five mile radius around your house. And now imagine that maybe they're not coming for your next door neighbor, you know, somebody blocks away, right? So the plethora of information that I find on next door sometimes about insects makes me want to cringe. And this morning there was a post, of course, about mosquitoes because there's all this rain. The person is talking about how she has planted marigolds and society garlic and citronella and lantana in her yard, and she still has mosquitoes. I have my opinions on that, and I don't think that people can put enough of that in their yard that it's going to actually repel anything. I would agree with you there. And as mentioned earlier, like you and Robert talking about, the mosquitoes have wings. So you're looking at different mosquitoes. So maybe sure you repelled one. But you have all these others that are going to come in and not all of them may have the same reaction to these plants. And plus, yes, you would need a lot. You may keep them out of the plants, but that doesn't mean you're going to keep them out of the yard. So when people are controlling mosquitoes, they really should target what stages? The best stage is the larva stage because those are in water. Now that we say that, but they're also one of the harder ones because you have to find the larva stage. So that's why we really emphasize source reduction. That means getting rid of standing water because those are less locations they can be. And then things that you can't remove because they're just too big or they're going to continually flood anyways, you can treat those for a larva side because you want to go after the larval stage because it doesn't bite and it can't get away. So it can't fly. And that's much easier to target than adults, which have wings. I find when people are complaining about mosquitoes, they're not complaining about the stuff that's in the water. They're not paying attention, which we think about it, that has three of the mosquito life stages. It has the egg, that has the larva, that has the pupa, that's all in that water and it's contained in a particular area. They're complaining about the adults, which are the ones that bite. So that brings me to the next thing. Robert, do you want to tell everybody about the mosquitoes and which ones bite and why they're doing that? So there's other blood feeding insects like bed bugs, for instance, where males and females at every life stage take a blood meal. But with mosquitoes, it's, it's the females, the adult females, and they have to do that to help them in developing eggs. They'll take a blood meal and then we've got a mating event 
in their recent past or near future, then they're off to the races to lay their first raft of eggs. I have a question for Sonia, though. I was wondering the other day, so you've got a mosquito. She takes a blood meal and then she goes and lays eggs. It's species dependent, I'm sure, but how many cycles can they go through or do they typically go through? That's a great question. Yeah. I don't know the official answer. I know that most, if given the opportunity, could at least lay two to three batches. The whole part of that to really consider, though, is how efficient are they at laying the eggs, getting backed off from that location and going and finding another host, and then going back to laying more eggs without getting killed in that process. And how many eggs are in each batch, approximately? I think most are usually roughly one to 200 in each batch. That's a lot of mosquitoes. That's a lot of mosquitoes. They say that females can live maybe up to a month, but in in nature, that's probably a little tough because you have a lot of things to worry about, a lot of obstacles, people smacking you, cars hitting you, things like that. Even bacteria and fungi that they could encounter that could kill them as well. So when we talk about mosquitoes, a lot of times we hear a lot about the four Ds. Do you want to tell everybody what that means and what those stand for? Yeah, they did convert that to 3Ds after we started to worry about 80s mosquitoes that carried Zika. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's throwing everybody off. Because, you know, the one was avoid uh, dusk and dawn and one was, you know, drain. Drain, we're talking about draining standing water, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And then we have um, dress. Yes, dress so appropriately. Why why is the clothing important? It's to stop basically the mosquito from getting access to your skin to actually get a blood meal. And that works good for some, but if you've ever encountered the big huge floodwaters, they can bite right through your clothing. So there is pros and cons though still wearing long sleeves and long pants because it does limit several of those from being able to actually penetrate through those materials to bite you. That's kind of the key there behind that. But it gets tough in Texas because it's hot in the summer. So nobody wants to dress like that. Who wants to wear long sleeves and long pants when it's 105 degrees outside? Exactly. But there's always the mosquito suit. Oh, that's true. I've tried that. (laughs) But still, it's humid. It's yes. yes, So then we also have dusk and dawn, but you said something about the 80s mosquito. Tell people why the dusk dawn doesn't necessarily fit now when we're dealing with 80s mosquitoes. Yeah, so we know that the 80s and some of these other floodwaters are usually cyclical. We only see them for a small period of time and then they kind of go away because the water disappears, but they're daytime biters. I mean, the concept has always been avoid dusk and dawn because that's when the majority of our mosquitoes are out and looking for a meal, a blood meal, but 80s are a daytime biting species. But that doesn't mean they only bite in the daytime. They will still bite at dusk and dawn and sometimes they can stay up later than you would think they would. If you're around and outside, they're going to take the opportunity, right? Exactly. So, Sonia and Wizzy, isn't that the little black one with the white yes. stripes yes. that yes. you're talking about, right? They're actually yes. really pretty, I think. I mean, they have yeah. excellent color. And the one is uh, is kind of silvery white. So, yeah, they're pretty mosquito, but they're not fun to play with. It's they're very not. aggressive and they will bite you usually in the legs, but it's just kind of their their nature. So that leads me to something else. So this weekend we were working outside and 
I seem to be a mosquito magnet and they just flock to me. And I, of course, I'm allergic to them. And so I get these huge welts that are super itchy. My husband, it's like he doesn't even exist. They don't go to him. Are there any theories? Does anybody know why some people are preferred over others? There is research to show that it's uh, several things that play a factor. The mosquitoes can smell different scents. They like different scents over other scents. They like body odors over others or dislike body odors over others. So what you're saying is I smell. Um, but you may <laughs> smell good and maybe he's the one that smells and they don't like that smell. So, you know, I'm actually in the same boat. I get bit. My husband does not either. And, you know, and sometimes it's, it's CO2 output. There's a lot of factors. Sometimes it's the clothes, the color of the clothes you wear. There's a lot of things. It's hard to pinpoint one factor. There's many factors. And recently, you know, cause I get asked this question quite a bit. I was reading that some of them just get a kind of an affinity for a certain smell and they'll stick to that for their, you know, and I don't know how they pass that through generations, but they'll decide that they like this particular scent over another and they'll stick to that one. Hmm. So I'm not getting away from it. That's unfortunate. No. Now, you know, one, and I had this talk yesterday and I hopefully this is an okay place to mention it, but there is a research study that came out several years ago showed that consumption of alcohol, beer in particular, actually increased your chances of being bit. So Ooh. Yes. <laughs> that is so cool. So if you're having a backyard barbecue, you might want to rethink what you are drinking. That's right. <laughs> that is so interesting. So our last D of the four Ds or now three Ds is defend. Right. And there is a lot of stuff that goes into this because different people burn citronella candles. They use fans. They have bug zappers. There's mosquito misting systems. There's all different kinds of mosquito traps, ones that have vacuums, one that has pheromones and carbon dioxide that they give off. There's another one I think that has a salt sugar solution in it. How do people go about choosing what is actually going to help them reduce? Do any of these products actually work or should we focus on personal repellents to protect ourselves when we're outdoors? The integrated pest management solution, or even what they call integrated mosquito management, is everything you mentioned is all on the table depending on the area. At my own house, it's a fairly established neighborhood, but I do have the mosquito traps. I do manage my landscaping. I go outside, I, I repel it up, but am I managing a larger property? I'm, I think about what I do here at our A&M center here in Dallas, and I also oversee that, there's not a whole lot we do here. I mean, I rely on others. Like Janet said, you know, you're using integrated approaches and to be integrated, we need to think with many thoughts of different tactics and different options and put them together that work best for your situation. So there is no one guarantee this is going to solve everybody's problem because the other part is it's a continual problem and the mosquitoes you kill today are not the same mosquitoes you're going to get in a few days. You have to continually keep doing it. So there are many things you mentioned that would be very helpful, you know, using fans around when you're outside. Well, that makes it hard for them to fly through the fans. Now, are you killing them? No, but you're keeping them from biting you. Always wearing repellents is a good idea if you're out for lengthy periods of time, but plan that appropriately, not 
that you have to live in repellents every time you walk out your door. But if you're going to be outside in the yard and you know that there's an issue out there, it'd be highly recommended. Or if you're going on a hike or going down any trails, and especially places that are more vegetated or overgrown are going to have more mosquitoes. And nothing says happiness like a screened in back porch. Yeah, I wish I had one of them. And making sure that the screens are all prepared. You all mentioned practicing what you preach, and I'm really bad at that. So at my place, you know, totally different than you guys. I live in the country. So for us, it's a bit different. What we do here is not the same as what you would do in an urban situation. If people have questions, it's really good for them to contact someone who, one, knows about mosquitoes, and two, isn't necessarily trying to sell them something. Definitely. So contacting one of us with AgriLife or their local county extension agent would certainly be a good resource for them that they could get some unbiased information about different mosquito control tactics. Yes. There's someplace else they can go visit. And I don't know if it's got all the control stuff on it, but our Mosquito Safari website has got some good information on there. But I do know we have information on repellents on that and maybe some basic information Probably the last thing that we really need to cover are repellents. And this can sometimes become the elephant in the room because it's obviously a pesticide that people are going to be applying to themselves and their families to protect them when they're outside for periods of time. And people can be concerned about that, but you also have to weigh that against the detriment or the possibility that you might contract a disease that can be vectored by one of these mosquito species that can be biting you. You have to take that into account. Janet, you said you wear repellents. I know I wear repellents and, you know, I kind of tailor my repellent based on how long I'm going to be outside or whatever activity I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be doing that. If I'm in my backyard versus hiking on trails with my dog, or if I'm mowing or doing gardening where I'm sweating, I might have to reapply the repellent more often than I would if I'm just sitting out there chatting with my friend. If I'm going to be out doing heavy work, anything from dusting my ankles with sulfur to putting on DEET to using eucalyptus, I vary in cycle. Actually, if I know I'm going to be out working in my yard and it's sunny, there are a couple of products out there that come with sun repellent and mosquito repellent. <laughs> I can, you know, maximize my my protection. See, now I am completely opposite you because I do not ever buy the mosquito repellents with the sun repellent that are mixed. And the reason why I don't is because I reapply my sunscreen probably hourly when I'm outside because I'm fair skinned. And if I don't, I'm going to burn. And I don't need to put that much mosquito repellent on because it should last for a longer period of time. Yeah. And actually CDC doesn't recommend the usage of the mixed products because of that reason, because sunscreen has more application necessary in a time span than repellents do. So you mentioned the CDC, which stands for what? And what repellents do they recommend? CDC stands for the Centers of Disease Control, and they recommend now five different active ingredients in repellents, DEET, picaridin, lemon of eucalyptus oil, IR3535, and two undecanone. Their repellency list is smaller than what you'll see from EPA or what you'll even find when you go searching for stuff at the store. And they limit their repellent list to those that they have found to be effective at repelling disease-carrying mosquitoes. 
those are the active ingredients that you need to look for if you want to repel any of those mosquitoes that we have in the area that can possibly vector diseases like Zika, like chikungunya, like West Nile virus, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. And one big concern with some repellents that aren't on that list is there's no data to back that they actually work against mosquitoes in effective means. And that's one of the concerns when we go to the more natural products and use of essential oils. And I get asked about those all the time. And it's not that maybe they're not effective. It's there's no research to prove their effectiveness. And CDC isn't going to back anything that hasn't proven itself to be effective against the mosquito. So I personally stick to that list only. And that's what we like to promote. And I actually, I'm a deep person. I use D on my kids. And with those big, huge mosquitoes, that's the only thing you're going to keep them off with. They're really not affected by some of these other products. Yeah, I, I tend to use uh, DEET and picaridin. I used to do picaridin, but DEET is kind of more oily. The picaridin doesn't seem it. And it could just be me and my autism and that it's like a texture thing. I don't yeah. know. And I did pick it in for a little while, but one of my daughters has a reaction to it. There are those to consider that there are personal reactions people can have to repellents. And mine was one with Picaridin. And it's not that the whole products are terrible. It's just that everybody's body is a little different and we react differently to chemicals. It's not necessarily the active ingredient that she's reacting to. It could be one of those other 90% of whatever that's in the product. Yeah, it could be. That could be causing an issue. I mean, it could be like, something that makes it an aerosol. I think we're all in unison. It's good to protect yourself. Yes. And your family members. Also, you can cater the repellent that you choose based upon your activity level, where you're going, how long you're going to be outside and all of that stuff. And the EPA actually has a website that you can go to and you can put in different parameters and it will help you figure out what insect repellent would be best for you to use for whatever situation. What about my pets? So Robert, what should we do to protect our companion animals against mosquitoes? Let's start with dogs. Some people have dogs that they leave outside basically all day, right? And night. And other folks let them in and out much more frequently than that. So like in our house, we're dog people and we have a rescue dog that actually went through treatment for heartworms. And so for us in our veterinarian, it was made very clear, look, you can't allow this dog to ever miss a heartworm medication. Heartworm is vectored by mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And and fleas, right? And so it was such a serious conversation. And I don't believe that it was a scare tactic. I mean, I think our veterinarian was generally concerned about the health of the dog. So had this dog not contracted heartworms in the first place, right? Had she always been given her heartworm medication, then that wouldn't have found ourselves in the spot that we're in. So the point of all that is that it is a very, very serious medical condition for for canines. I think it's very important to consult with your veterinarian, determine the correct heartworm prevention for your animals, make sure they're on it, and continue to reduce sources for mosquitoes to breed in in the near vicinity of your house. And that's about the best you can do, right? Because if you allow your dogs out, there may be mosquitoes in and around your yard that have come from, as we learned earlier in the podcast from Sonia, up to five miles away, right? And so unless you have a very large property and can manage all of it, then you, you know your dogs are going to be subjected to mosquitoes. And not only mosquitoes that are feeding on them, but also mosquitoes that can be developing in their dog dishes, right? In their water bowls. So make sure if you give your dogs water outside, make sure and turn those bowls over every night after you bring them in. 
think cats can also get yeah, heartworm, I suspect... but there isn't a treatment for them. I know that they have some topical things that are kind of a repellent for mosquitoes that you can put on cats, and it also works against ticks and fleas. But mm. as far as a heartworm pill or chew for cats, I don't think that that's available. Horses can contract things like equine encephalitis. Yes, there's a couple um, of different encephalitic diseases that horses can contract. And with horses, it's a little bit different. They don't catch heartworm, to my knowledge. I haven't heard of that. I mean, we don't want to say that that can't happen, but we usually utilize topical products to limit the amount of biting that they're suffering from when it comes to biting insects and mosquitoes included. But the only options really available for horses are going to be permethrin or a pyrethrin because horses are very sensitive to chemicals. In addition to that, there are vaccines, though, available for horses that will protect them against all of these encephalitis diseases that they can catch, which is includes West Nile virus. So it's important to use those. When you do the vaccination for the horses, is it something that is a one and done or is it a yearly thing or is it a booster after five years? I believe it's a yearly thing, but don't quote me. I'm not a horse owner. I think that there is some boosters new necessary at first, but I believe, especially with West Nile, that you do have to continually give that to them every year at this moment to make it effective. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sonia. We've really, really appreciated all of your knowledge and sharing that with us. Thank you. So thank you all to our listeners for sticking with us on this episode of Unwanted Guests. So remember to avoid mosquitoes. Think about the four Ds or three Ds in the updated version. That would be drain the standing water, dress to protect yourself, and then defend yourself and your family by wearing some type of repellent. For more information, you can go to Extension Entomology. Dot tamu.edu. Catch you next time.